If you or a loved one need mental health assistance or are experiencing a mental health crisis, call Lifeline 24-7 on 13 11 14. G'day everyone, uh, welcome to our next podcast here on FYI, all things mental wellness. Um, I'd like to introduce you to our guest today. Uh, he's an Australian-based health professional, he's trained as a psychologist and uh, has a practice here located in Albury in New South Wales. He uh, specialises in adjustments and anxiety issues, working in both career and workplace issues um, and obviously with regards to depression and grief loss and all other things that might uh, come across his desk. He's uh, an avid motorcycle rider, a father, a husband, uh, outdoor and a bit of a travel enthusiast, had a caravan there for one stage, and he's a director of the national suicide prevention charity Black Dog Ride. Uh, he's a pivotal member of the suicide prevention Aubrey Wodonga, and uh, he's a guy that walks the talk. He continues to work to remove the stigma associated with mental health and suicide, and I'd like you all to welcome Richard Brown. Thank you very much. Morning, mate. Hey, Almost Richard. make me sound like I know what I'm talking about. Oh well, we hope so. We that's, hope that's kind you of are. the plan. Mm. <laughs> we uh, we bang on here about the fact that um, Nadia and I are definitely not professionals in in this, in the field of mental health or mental wellness, and and we we try our very best to be broad on our issues and talking about different things with different people, so we don't zone in on the the, the do's and the don'ts because that's that's definitely not our world. But in your world day to day, mate, you do talk specifics with people, yeah? Yeah, we uh, get into it, I suppose you could say, yeah. And the thing with that, I suppose, is the broad variety of people that, that you would talk to on a day to day basis and issues that might come with that. Is yeah. there, is, I suppose, in, in, in differing times, you'd have or be presented with different, different um, topics that, that people want to talk to you about? Is there, I suppose at the moment, we're talking about COVID and, and isolation for people. Is there something that's predominant at the moment that you're dealing with in your practice? Um, I think uh, one, of the, one of the standout things really is that um, people that have had any sort of anxiety sitting there, the whole lockdown and COVID experiences just amplified all of that. So we're getting a, a huge amount of referrals over the last eight weeks, and it's sort of continuing on with people with uh, worsening anxieties. With regards to anxiety on its own, is that the biggest part of what you would think drives mental health issues, for want of a better term? I mean, what's your broad definition of mental health? Oh, broad definition of mental health. <laughs> I, I suppose when we think of our, our physical health, um, it's a very broad thing there in terms of being physically healthy involves uh, having lots of the right inputs, being lucky with genetics, you know, having a good lifestyle, all sorts of things. And having good physical health means that nothing much goes wrong, basically. Mm -hmm. So mental health is very much the same sort of thing. You know, people who are uh, have good mental health cope well with stress and come back from knockbacks uh, more easily. If they do suffer some low mood, they generally bounce back. And uh, so that's sort of mental health. Uh, mental ill health or mental disorders is sort of the opposite of that when we get ill, but it's a, a mental kind of in our mind kind of case. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Mental ill health is is a word and a term that's been thrown around a lot lately and it seems to be used a little bit more with rather than that mental mental health problem is mental ill health. Um, and it is broad and I think we've spoken about that before, Bernie, what, what fits under that umbrella of, of mental health. Yeah, and we, and we can't. It's huge. You, know, you can't pick all the things that go under it. But it sounds to a little bit like, mate, you're talking about building people's resilience when you're mm. talking about people's wellness and their mental wellness. Yeah, very much so, very much so. And, and you asked before about sort of anxiety. What, what's behind a lot of mental ill health tends to be either anxiety and or um, stress, basically. Mm. Stress seems to be at the root of, you know, kicking off a lot of mental illness problems in one way or another. And you say, Richard, um, you know, the, the better, the, the healthier we are in the mind or work on our mental wellness, the more likely we are to cope in stressful situations. So am I right in saying most of us seek help when we've had a fall Things rather have than apart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah seek help when when we are okay to work on that mental wellness so we don't hit that a little bit like our health you know we we all work on being healthier eating well drinking the right amount of water and exercising whether we are unfit as such, yep. or unhealthy, it's just something that we're sort of trained to do. Is that something we need to start at a younger age of, of training people to work on their mental wellness? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, going back 10, 20 years, people really generally didn't seek help unless the wheels fell off. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, more people are being proactive about their mental health, but not many. It, it's not you know, still the majority of people that come and see us, they've been feeling badly for six months, 12 months, three years. So people suffer for a, a fair amount of time before they seek help, mostly. But I think as time goes by, we're seeing people being a bit more proactive about that. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of things people can do. Resilience and a lot of the uh, topics that come under that um, have been put into school programs more and more. Uh, and that's been a really good trend. Yeah, absolutely. We've talked about that before, how it's a generational thing and how we'd love to see more of the school age learning coming through into into everyday schools, I reckon. For sure. And I think there are a few platforms mm. um, throughout Australia. And another one we, we, we've banged on about a little bit is the Resilience Program itself yeah. Um, that Hugh Van Klauberg started, and it's just a fantastic initiative. I mean, if we can start when we're young, building that resilience and that empathy, we're only going to be better for it, aren't we? Mm. People box themselves a little bit. You know, I'm anxious, so therefore mm. I have an anxiety issue, and that causes me to be depressed at times, uh, or I'm this, or I'm that. Is it good for people to? be put into a box so that they can then, I don't know, categorise or deal with whatever they think that or whatever we discover that problem to be? Um, it's, it's important for people to see things for what it is. So if I'm a person that suffers from anxiety, it's very important for me to be able to say, okay, I do suffer from anxiety. But it's also important for me to see that as uh, not 
not part of me, if you know what I mean. Like it's mm. an illness. Mm. It doesn't Correct. define me. It doesn't define you. Yeah, I'm big yeah. on that too. Mm. It's um, it's certainly a, uh, a a workable issue for for a lot of people, um, and we've spoken about that too. Defining ourselves. You're right. In discussions, yeah. as we all have more and more discussions around mental wellness, certain billboard issues come up and say, "Well, you know, I have anxiety," or "or I." or I feel this, or I feel that. A lot of those, I seem to think at the moment, are more easily spoken about. But there's other orders that people have or, or illnesses that people have that that still have a certain stigma attached to them. You know, and, I, and I'm, I'm struggling to think of one particularly because I don't know enough about it, but there's yeah, ma- many, absolutely. many different orders out there that people deal with, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, one of my daughters um, suffers from bipolar, and there's two forms of bipolar. There's Bipolar 1, Bipolar 2, and she has Bipolar 1, which uh, a lot of people think of as kind of the more scary version, uh, in that she, in manic episodes, um, she'll actually uh, experience full-on delusional thinking and have to be hospitalised. So people with bipolar, she's a good case of where, you know, I often sort of try and uh, encourage her to think of it as, you know, you're not defined by your illness. You're Sarah and you're you, but you happen to have this illness, which you do have to take seriously because bipolar typically is a lifelong management uh, sort of, you know, that's what it, it involves. But it's also something that I think people shouldn't be scared of. I mean, well, you're not scared of somebody things. who's broken their leg, are you? No, no, that's and right. And that's a treatable illness. Yeah. yeah. The same as. I mean, I was just talking to someone recently who's a, a young guy and he has autism and um, he's had problems with anger. And, uh, you know, a lot of, even a lot of professionals would go, oh, bloke with autism. No, I'm not going to work with him. Don't, don't bring mm. him here, you know. And that's a big problem. And sure, there can be safety concerns to look at and assess, but I've seen this guy a couple of times and I think that basically what's happening with him is he just gets incredibly frustrated with the world because he has trouble communicating. Mm. Um, And a lot of people don't take the time to just hear him out and really think about what he's saying, you know. So I found him easy to connect with. I reckon you nailed that one on the head for Mm. for everything across the board. Mm. We as a society... You don't want to talk to somebody or you don't want to be too involved with somebody who has something that you don't understand, that you can't fix on the spot. But if we could just take a couple of minutes and listen, go that little step further, you don't have to fix the problem. No one's asking you to fix it when they talk to you. Mm. But could could you just listen and have that little bit more empathy so that they feel like they're not the only ones, that they're not in a in a bubble that people don't want to work Correct. with them. And, yeah. and probably yeah. in that situation, allow him to calm down and become less frustrated in order to yeah, to talk. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm I, I'm uh, a funny thing about me is I like challenges. So um sometimes I've ended up with people that have gone to four different psychologists or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but a lot of the time I find it it can get down to that sort of thing, you know, that they just haven't been able to put across what's really happening. Sure. And maybe it's because they just didn't click with one particular person uh, or maybe people just aren't really listening hard enough, you know. 
That, that's an interesting one too, Richard. I know, I know a lot of people have asked me this question in the past, um, just on a, on a personal level and even knowing that we're going to be having a chat to you today. How do you find the right therapist? Um, well, <laughs> as a starting point, it is hard to get in, especially at the moment, unfortunately. Of course. So it's hard to kind of shop around. People might want to consider things like, you know, am I happy to talk to a man or a woman? Most people don't mind which, mm -hmm. but some people have a preference one way or another. Apart from that, you know, people can do things like they can, in the case of our practice, they can go onto the website and just look at, you know, what sorts of things people work with. Mm -hmm. So you can do a bit of research. Okay. But also, if someone comes to see me and they go away thinking, you know, he really didn't get me, I don't feel comfortable with him. You know, I'd encourage anyone to, to, you know, don't give up at that. Just go, well, Richard wasn't right for me. Um, I'll try somebody else. 100%. Yeah. Is there a ladder, though? In other words, is, um, I don't do, know. Do, do we start at, uh, I don't know, a counsellor or is that where you're going? Yeah. At? I don't know what I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just yep. am not right. And I haven't been right for a while. I'm mm. flat. Can't find that spark that I used to have. I just, there's something. Do I, do I ring a psychologist? Do I talk to a psychologist? Do I, and I don't even know the difference between the two. What the hell does those two people do? Or do I talk to a counsellor? Yep. Or do I just ring Lifeline? No, I wouldn't ring Lifeline. I'm not suicidal. Um, bloody hell, where do I start? Mm. Yeah, okay. So the difference, um, and I wouldn't think of it as a ladder because it's not really a hierarchy. Well, I, I don't like to think of it as a hierarchy, mm. but different categories anyway. A psychiatrist is somebody who is has gone through medical training, they're a medical doctor, and then they've gone through years of specialist training to concentrate on medication and mental health. And so mostly psychiatrists stick to the medication side of things and uh, assessing things. So if someone's got some really extreme uh, things going on with them, extreme symptoms, a psychiatrist can do a good assessment and look at the medical management. Some psychiatrists also do counselling, but not many sort of mm -hmm. do that. A psychologist is, on the other hand, is someone who has trained only in psychology and mental health. Uh, so I don't have any medical training. I know a little bit about medications, but I don't recommend any medications myself. And so a psychologist Probably the strength of going to a psychologist is to figure things out. Psychology is supposed to be particularly good at assessment and, you know, getting to the root cause of things. Counselors um, vary quite a bit. There are some great counselors out there. Uh, mostly counselors are trained to deal with situations rather than mental health conditions. So, for relationship counselling, for instance, it's not a mental health issue. You can get a good counsellor who's trained in uh, relationship counselling, and that can be a great way to go. Or if you're having trouble with um, getting along with your 16-year-old daughter or, you know, your son's acting out or, you know, sometimes counsellors might be able to do some kind of parenting kind of stuff around that. But they're not typically trained 
uh, so much in the mental health side of things or the psychology. Mm-hmm. So I hope that kind of no, no, that makes that's a sense. great definition, yeah, and I think it's it's explained in layman terms. I know we can all jump on Google and and look this yep. information up, but it's it's so nice to get it in a, a, a very easy way to understand. Um, in the current times, while you take a big deep breath, there, nuts. <laughs> just cut me off, Bernie. <laughs> I just did. but in, I just wanted to pick on that for two seconds. Is in current times where people's anxiety issues are building and and can become a little bit uncontrollable. A lot of that could be driven by financial stress currently uh, or at any other time, not just currently. If I'm stressed because of my financial position and I think I'm looking up um, a counsellor or a psychologist to go and talk to, there's an overbearing thought that there's going to be a cost attached to that of some description and that's – I, I, I'm not against that idea. I mean, obviously, people need to be paid for their living. That's that's what they do, and they're specialists in their field. But if I if I feel I can't afford that, so there, I, for I don't seek that help. What advice might you give there, mate? What what would you, where would you steer people in that case? Well, there are different. Uh, there are some not for profits around that have some forms of counselling, and sometimes they can be quite fitting. You know, if if we're getting someone referred to us and we're aware that finance is a real problem, uh, we can look at trying to do something about that ourselves, uh, but we can also suggest another place that they might want to try. Mm. So, that you know, there are options, um, particularly at the moment, one that springs to mind is Headspace. So Headspace is a great organisation and, you know, very well equipped to deal with younger people. They deal with people up to the age of 25, which just cuts us out. Yeah, just. Just. Yeah, yeah, by about mm. 30 years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's interesting you say that, that there are organisations like Headspace that are there and available because financial stress is not a, an older adult issue all no, the time. No, it's, 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 it's everybody, especially when you're kicking off in life and you're trying but, to work out where, how things But I work. get a bit angry there because what, what do we do when we're 26? And, and older. Like, where, where do we go? After the cutoff, you mean? Yeah. Where do we go after the cutoff? Are there government incentives? That, you know, I'm, I'm aware that there are some plans, mental health care plans out there for people. And, you know, it, again, it is a broad question or a statement that I've heard in the past. I can't afford therapy. Yeah, it really depends. And we've, we've come from a position where there weren't many services to there being now some some better amounts of services for the younger mm-hmm. people. Um, we just haven't spread that into the older crowd yet. But it really depends person to person what's happening as well. Like if, if someone's got uh, a very severe mental illness that they need to manage, you know, they might be hooked up with the mental health team, mm-hmm. which is a, you know, government-funded service. Sure. Um, they might need some private psychology as well or they – might be able to get that somewhere else. Um, so it just depends on the individual. Sure. Some people out there can get their employee to fund services as mm-hmm. well. Like a lot of companies have employee assistance programs mm-hmm. uh, where people can access counselling for free, you know, a couple of sessions. Yes. So there's all sorts of different options. Probably uh, the problem is that there's so many different options that people don't know where to go. Mm. Um, a good starting point is to talk to your GP because yeah. GPs yep. have 
you know, they vary a bit, but they have some idea of the different spread of services. So. Mm. Yeah, good advice. Yeah. And we've spoken about that before as well, you know, getting GPs your starting point for, for a lot of ailments, whether it's mental health, whether it's a physical health problem, but yeah. there are plans. So, and like you've mentioned, there's, there is a lot out there. Um, it's just finding the right um, fit. Yeah, and that's a big thing. And, mm. and that was probably the message that I was trying to mm. get out was the fact that don't be shy. You know, if there are plenty yeah. of avenues, just go and talk to someone. Mm. And I would put my hand on my heart and tell everybody that's listening that it doesn't matter who you go and talk to. Mm. That person is not going to take your wallet out of your back pocket just because you've spoken to them. But their, no. their goal is to assist you. That These people, empathy is their first thing. What they do for a living is part of that. So they're there to help you no matter what mm. and find a way to help you to be a better person, to be well, that, a better you. That's right. Someone, you know, a, a psychologist definitely needs to put the well-being of people well ahead of anything else. And so if someone comes to see me and uh, for whatever reason I'm not the most appropriate person to be dealing with them, then I can help them hopefully to manage themselves onto someone or the right service, you know. At least they're getting in the door to n talk to mm. somebody who knows where the services are and what Correct. else is available because yeah. none of us know. Frankly. No, that's right. I mean, I mean, you can Google all you like. You still don't know anything until you talk to someone who's got experience firsthand. Mm -hmm. It's difficult because there's there's different things too. Like, um, you know, someone might come to me and then they're talking about relationship counselling. Um, relationship counselling is a little bit in a different category to what I tend to do. And so I tend to steer them into someone else, you know. Mm -hmm. Or I've had people come to me that have got an eating disorder Mm -hmm. And I have limited knowledge in that. Uh, and eating disorders are a very serious um, concern. Mm -hmm. And we really need to get them into someone who really has a great deal of expertise in that area. So, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes that happens, um, you know. Just comforting to know that that's, that's what's being done, you know, if, if you're sitting in front of someone that isn't there yeah. for that or, or isn't trained in that particular field, we steer them to where they need to be in yeah. a more specific, specialised area. Mate, this is where I ask you to fix the world. <laughs> Ultimately, everything that we're doing, what we're doing with our podcast in, in talking and hopefully educating people and what you do professionally and what you do personally with your private time um, with regards to charities and the likes, all of that is ultimately to reduce the number of suicides in our country and across the world. Um, not just to you know deal with with the immediate problem, but ultimately we want to see the re uh, deduction in um, in the suicide numbers, and they're always going up. What do you reckon is the root cause of the increase in the number of suicides, especially in our country? Is it something that is driven by our society, or is it something that we can fix by? a lot more counselling and, and discussions. Boy, you don't ask easy questions, do you? <laughs> I'm a hard-hitting journalist. Well, we want you to solve the world. He tells you that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that there are a couple of different directions in that. I, I think in to a large degree it, it has to do with our society and maybe changing some things. So we, Such as? Well, we know that, um, you know, over the last 10 years there's been a rise in anxiety disorders 
which correlates highly with group of people that use their mobile devices a hell of a lot. <laughs> and so social media and things like that, if you've got uh, any anxiety, then all of a sudden something like Facebook makes it possible to see what you're missing out on amongst your friend group 24-7 or, you know, who's saying what that you don't agree with or, you know, all these sorts of things. So things like that can be part of the fueling for things like anxiety. There are also, um, you know, arguments that there's been more and more disconnection with family, uh, with people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they talk about rates of loneliness. Um, rates of loneliness are highest in capital cities where there are people wall to wall, but they all feel lonely and disconnected, you know. So, and that's particularly a Western society kind of problem. And then, uh, you know, there's also uh, obviously different pressures come and go. At the moment, there are all sorts of pressures connected with COVID that are having an impact, whether it's direct financial or it's worry about a family member, a daughter, a son, or it's just, uh, you know, the frustration and tension of not being out, able to get out and, and visit your family, things like that. So there's a multitude of things in the environment at the moment. I think. What about yeah. genetics, Richard? Yeah, genetics is a bit of um, a little bit of a controversial sort of area. Oh, yeah, um, we like a bit of controversy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if I suffered from extreme anxiety, my kids would be more likely to have anxiety. The, the part of it that's controversial is have they learnt that from me or did they get it genetically? And it differs with different uh, difficulties. Anxiety, they say, is very much a learnt thing. Hmm. If I'm, you know, if my kids grow up with me running after them going, oh, don't do that, don't do that, oh, oh watch out, watch out. And clearly they're going to learn that. that. Yeah, that's right. We take it on and even very subtle sort of things we can take on, you know. But in some cases, genetics do seem to be involved. Play yeah. a part. Yeah. Mm. Well, one of the ways that they say about that is some people are more vulnerable to um, getting a mental health disorder. So mm. genetics is tied up with that. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Makes perfect sense. Six suicides a day? Uh, eight and a half is suicides a day in wow. Australia. Yeah, about 60, 60 a week. And- hopefully having a conversation with somebody randomly at different times. Do I pick up the phone mm -hmm. and do I ring my mate? Do I pick up the phone and ring my friend? Yeah. Can help to bring that number down? Yeah, we certainly hope so. And and the more people are asking the right questions, uh, the more people are not afraid to, you know, go there in conversation, the better. Mm. That's so, high. So the right questions. I'm Joe Average. I don't have the training that you have or the experience that you have. What is the right question? Yeah, the right question. So if I'm concerned about someone, the best way is to be gentle, take them aside, look them in the eyes and be pretty straight about it. You know, mate, are you okay? Because I'm a bit worried about you. Mm, I like that. Mm. Love, are you okay day? But are you okay is not enough. And I love how you just followed it up with that. Yeah. Extra question, and you bang on about it too, Bernie. Just care enough to go that one step more than are you okay or what's going on? Yeah, that's right. And, and 
dare I say, beyond that too, because, you know, there's certainly mm. been times where someone's reassured me, oh, yeah, 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 I'm right. And I've, in my mind, gone, no, I don't think so. So mm. I'm just going to keep a little bit of an eye out. You know, I, I tend to do things myself like um, uh, alert others around that person a little bit about what I'm worried about, you mm. know, because not everyone, I might miss something mm. that someone else sees, you know. So we need to just gently and in a caring way kind of follow up on those things. Mm. You know? And you're not dobbing on somebody by talking to their friends about them, are you? No, no. And, um, you know, mental health first aid, they have uh, research on uh, people that have been asked that question. And what they've found is that the majority of people actually find it to be quite a relief that somebody asks because they don't know how to say it. They don't know how to reach out. So if I'm really, you know, at that point where I'm considering suicide and someone asks me, there's the opportunity to go, no, I'm, I'm not travelling so well, you know. Mm. I might not come out and tell you everything, but mm. it, it'll open the door. So. Yeah, and I am astounded um, at when you do ask that question, the relief that seems to come from mm. those people. Absolutely. And, and I'm yeah. luckily enough part of what I do apart from this and work and everything else, um, I, I did take part in a mental health first aid course and they taught us how to ask those questions and what to identify and what to look for. And when you do just take that one step further, when you do ask that question, don't think that you have to fix the problem because you aren't. doesn't matter what they tell you, you won't be able to fix it there and then on the spot. But the relief that that person experiences when they answer you yeah, actually, I'm not really going too good, mate. Mm. Yeah. And at that point, it can be silence. It doesn't matter. No, that's right. And, you know, one of the other things that um, some people find a bit controversial, and, uh, mm. and that is that, you know, mental health first aid also say that in the majority of cases, they say the vast majority of cases, people are giving out lots and lots of signs. They're not necessarily running around saying, I am going to do this, but they're giving out lots and lots of signs. And uh, a lot of people, you know, will say, I didn't I didn't see that coming. I didn't see any hint of that, you know. You and, do hear that a lot. And sometimes mm. that is the case, but sometimes too there are even really, really subtle signs there. And, you know, we, we missed them because we were really busy doing this or that mm. or, you know. So I guess to, to extend from that, because we're, we're all about giving some tips and tricks to people, what are some basic signs that people could look out for? Uh, some of the things, you know, an obvious one is, you know, people looking down and dejected, but some people are very good at hiding that. Mm. Things like withdrawing. Someone doesn't ring you back, it might be that they're rude or it might be that they just can't pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. you know, lots of other reasons too, obviously. But, mm. you know, sometimes um, the withdrawal from people is a big sign of that. You know, I, I myself, I suffer from a thing called persistent depressive disorder, which is a, a kind of chronic long-term form of depression. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the things for me when I'm not doing well I just can't make phone calls. And so I've got a long history in my life of losing friendships over time because I don't return calls and I don't come to places and I don't do this. And um, that's okay. I can deal with that. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> 
but you know that's one of the things where um, you know we we could see that as a bit of a sign. Yeah, of course, yeah. and that, that's hard for the for the average person to understand that because a lot of us would yeah. jump into that straight away of. Gee, Richard's rude. Richard's not a great friend. Why is Richard pulling out on all these things? But if we took two extra seconds to think about Correct. our friend, we could say, actually, no, that's that's unusual. He's, yeah. he's normally pretty yeah. proactive. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And, um, I mean, there are other things. One of, one of the things that can be a bit of a red flag can be that this person's kind of sorting out things, you know, they're giving away things, mm. and, and that can be a real uh, worry, you know, as in preparation for fi- finalizing yeah, things. Yeah, right yeah. It's dare I say this: as close of friends as what we might have, we don't really notice a lot about those people necessarily, unless we're a very empathetic person and we're really drilling into our friends. Those subtle changes you may not see because mm. because of that friendship that you have, you bang off against each other, and it's boisterous as a rule. Yeah, yeah. And well, the busyness, yeah. like you touched on that too, mm. Richard. We, we we all think we're really busy, you know. We we all overlook some things that we probably take for granted. Yeah, we uh, look. I, I think I think we all have to be real enough to say, yeah, we probably all miss those things. You know, I've been thinking quite a bit lately about that side of things. You know, there's probably times where I've been frustrated. Someone hasn't called me back. And I think back to that now and think, oh, well, I just wonder about that, you know. Mm. They, they might have just been busy, but who knows, you know. Yeah, that's right. I think we've all been down that path totally. and made some judgments, and but that's right, just take that little bit of extra um, care and empathy, you yeah. know, go back to that again, yeah. empathy. Hey, mate, yeah. you're involved in, um, i get the words right here, is it suicide prevention, Aubrey Wodonga? Yeah, which Where, is where's a, that up to these days? Uh, at the moment, we're just trying to re-kick it off, actually. But um, it's a suicide prevention network. There's a organisation funded by the federal government called Wesley Life Force, and they they have funding to go around the country and and kick off local suicide prevention networks. Uh, so ours is one of those. There are. Under their banner, there's about 85 of those operating across the country. Yeah, right. And that's I'm glad you pointed that out because mm. um, our podcast is obviously not just Aubrey Wodonga related as much as we pick on local people to speak with. To have that knowledge that there's 85 others out there amongst yeah. the myriad of other organisations as well. For sure. Um, that's good. So is that is that a self-help group? Do people come to that group? How does that work? So a suicide prevention network, each one of them around the country will be a little unique depending on their circumstance, but basically they're around for two reasons. One is to share information across the community and getting people and organisations working, Uh, and the other one is to do some more direct, you know, suicide prevention awareness raising. Yeah, well. Fantastic. Um, and you're There's also some involved. Great things out there. There are. It's massive. Yeah. And you're also involved with Black Dog Ride that we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about that charity? Well, uh, Black Dog Ride is about mobilising motorbike riders right across the country to raise awareness first and foremost of mental health issues and suicide prevention. Uh, and we also raise money at the same time. And we give money to um, particularly sort of community grassroots organisations where we can, to try and get the most bang for the buck. 
one contrary to some belief it's not a men's health thing it's a mental health thing mm -hmm. and so um we have a lot of women involved men and women young people older guys uh we tend to have uh, you know a bit of a sway towards the older crowd but we take anyone why motorcycles why motorcycles? Uh, I mean, you and I know the obvious reason yeah, why yeah. motorcycles, but for those people who are not motorcycle riders, why would a charity be centred around motorcycles? Well, Big, dirty, rotten motorcycle riders. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the guy that started it um, had a bit of a dream all his life, apparently, of riding around Australia. And then in, in 2009, is that right? Yeah. I've done yeah. some research. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think in 2008. If I'm right, um, one of his best friends, who was a lady, um, suicided, and she was a person that apparently a lot of people said they were really shocked, didn't really see that one coming. It was, you know, pretty well hidden, but it motivated him to ride around the country in 2009 and raise money for suicide prevention. Um, but he also raised awareness by visiting a lot of uh, towns and talking to people. So it sort of grew from there. Ooh. I think motorbikes are a little bit unique in that, you know, yourself, Bernie, you know, as a rider, you can be riding anywhere and you um, pull in somewhere and you get a cup of coffee and another guy on a motorbike that you don't know will just go, hey, mate, how are you? You know, and so it's a little bit of a community there and you can just sort of um, connect through mm. that. It's a brilliant initiative. So mm. the charity, I'm guessing that, Going motorcycle riding to to yeah. actually go out and talk to the community is it kind of therapy in itself? Would that be would that be fair to say? I think so. Yeah, I'm I, cheating I, here because yeah. as I'm involved with that charity as well, for me to pull a helmet on makes the world go away. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good um, practice in mindfulness, isn't it? You know, mm. you just really get into the moment. So you um, you would advocate uh, the fact that if you are interested in motorcycles, that that charity if you're looking for something to be involved in, could well benefit you more than you could possibly know. Absolutely, yeah. And, um, you know, even people that aren't on motorbikes, I've had an email recently from someone who came on the back of a bike with someone and did a black dog ride and were inspired to get their licence. And uh, and now they ride motorbikes and they just love riding and but uh, we also um, have a great need for supporters generally as well, you know. It's a potentially a good way to meet really good people. Mm -hmm. I've met some fabulous people through it. It is astounding the people that you do meet mm. from all walks of life, mm. doctors, lawyers, mechanics, finance brokers, psychologists, psychiatrists, everybody from all walks of life mm -hmm. has a different common yep. interest, and that is the motorcycle, and then, of course, the want to reduce the suicide numbers by continuing that conversation with mm. everybody as they go around. It gives you something, you know, with blokes particularly, you know, they say that um, blokes uh, bond best by doing something. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the experts tell us that women are better at just sitting and talking. So having a, an activity like that, particularly good for, for males of the species. I don't know. You guys have done a better job today at talking than what I have. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm looking at a glaring uh, football jumper that's <laughs> slightly offensive, but um, slightly. Yeah, so you it's made me made me a bit nervous well, to be honest. Well, in that case, if you want to talk about my football jumper that's here, if we had a billboard 
that you could fill with your message to society other than Barrack for Richmond, what would it say? Slow down and think about people. Oh. Nice. Mindfulness. Hmm. Gee, you gave me a lot of time to prepare for that too, didn't you? That's right. (laughs) Well. But you've obviously got it on the tip of your tongue. Mm. And that, I think, is, mm. is, is a message that if you don't have to think about it, that you live it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well Richard, we finish off with a bit of lightheartedness and it's always funny. We've had a, a, <laughs> a variety of answers here. It's six quick questions. Right. First thing that comes to mind, whiskey mm-hmm. or rum? Uh, whiskey. Texting or calling? Texting. Giving or receiving? Giving. Facebook or Instagram? What's Instagram? Oh, yeah, old man. <laughs> High school or adult life? Adult life? <laughs> Scrunch or fold? Fold. Typical. Hey, typical psychologist. <laughs> very, very categorised. Well done. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, thanks for that. Thank That's a bit you of fun, mate. so much for your insight. I'm sure oh. our listeners would have gained a fair bit of knowledge out of that. Yeah, true. Thank you. And and everything anyone does to be talking about mental health is doing a bit of good. So thanks for having this podcast. We really appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks, Richard. We're out of here. Thanks, guys.